The following is a presentation of the Black Hollywood Live Network, the first online broadcast network dedicated to African-American entertainment. Hollywood Redefined. From Los Angeles, California, presented by Maria Menounos and streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies, this is Black Hollywood Live, breaking into... Featuring in-depth interviews with today's most influential entertainment figures, highlighting their tips, tricks, and techniques on breaking into the entertainment industry. You're listening to Black Hollywood Live. And now, the host of Black Hollywood Live, breaking into. Hello, hello, welcome to Black Hollywood Live. Happy Friday. I'm your host, Jessica King, and today we are joined by a very special guest. Please welcome Hollywood's top event planner, CEO and creative director of AOO Events, David Merrill. Hello, how are you? I'm good, how are you? I'm awesome, thank you. Thank Thank you you. so much for joining us today. I'm so excited to be here. We're glad to have you. Well, let's jump right in. You started your career initially Mm -hmm. in insurance, correct? Yeah, I was recruited out of college uh, by an insurance company, and largely because I had a an accounting degree. Okay. Um, so, yeah, it was not where I am now. But Well, was event planning always on your radar? Like, how did you make that transition into event planning? I didn't even know what event planning was. I mean, I, I grew up in Ohio, went to school in Ohio, and so I graduated with an accounting degree, mm-hmm. and um, I moved out here with the insurance company. Okay. It was through... Um, through friends, I started to find out that there was an industry, mm-hmm. uh, and this was back in the in the late '80s, where the industry was still somewhat in its infancy, and discovered that there was an industry that I didn't even know about, and somehow found my way to it, and uh, befriended an, uh, a guy who owned a company similar to the one I started, and. He posed the question, would you like to be in special events? I'm like, okay, sure, or <laughs> <laughs> sure, whatever. Uh, didn't really know much about it, but I, I thought it would be fun, and I was kind of weaving my way through industries trying to – I knew I wanted to be in business, mm-hmm. and I wanted to be in business for myself. I just didn't know what. Right. But it was within the first month and a half that I was um, – uh, I landed somehow this big job mm-hmm. at that time it was like a forty thousand dollar job i was like oh my god they spend this much money on 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 uh, parties and it was a flawless party and i knew instantly that i loved the industry and then i just carved a path and i just like okay i'm going to be on my own with this industry and i just started to learn everything yeah. and you know at that time they didn't have schooling for what we did mm-hmm. for for the hospitality management industry so right. just kind of learned it as i went along well, that said, you know, without yeah. the schooling at that time, you said they didn't have mm-hmm. the schooling, but also considering that you didn't have any previous background in it, was it a lot harder to break into that business? Yeah, well, I don't know if it's, you start a business, it's hard to get into it, whatever the business is. Right. Um, and really, I started as a caterer. So I broke in somewhat of an easy way. And I was always good about making money in the margins. I never really made, I never knew anything about food. I just knew that, okay, this is a good business. And so I learned how to buy food and, and just kind of trial and error grew up in this business for about a year and a half until I was uh, big enough that I could partner with a chef, a brilliant mm-hmm. chef, and then, then really took off from there. And that's when I, you know, by the top of my catering career, I was, which was, mid 90s um i was in you know a lot of celebrity homes doing their own private catering some of which i still work in their homes to this day we're not allowed to talk about who they are because they still are very comfortable with us being there to handle their events 
but I just don't handle the food anymore. I hire in the food. Mm-hmm. So, well, as a for an aspiring event planner, yeah. is it recommended that they uh, get a ton of experience, whether it be internships and schooling and things like yeah. that, or can they just work their butt off and learn as they go? You can work your butt off and learn as you go, and it'll probably take you a little longer. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe in internships completely because it's a way for you to get to know the industry, and there's so many different aspects of every industry, especially this one. Mm-hmm. Um, that you kind of want to know what what you like and what you don't like, and you want to know who you like working with and who you don't like working with. And in an internship, the people that you're interning with can discover whether they like you. Mm-hmm. Um, we've actually hired in a couple of interns who started with us as interns, loved them so much, and there was such a, a synergy that now they're full-time employees. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. But, the, you know, there's there's a lot of ways to get in, but you have to realize you're going to have to work from the ground up in right. this business, and it's not an easy business. It's right. actually, you know, it, it is it's a lifestyle. It's not a mm-hmm. career. It's not a nine-to-five thing. You work long, long hours. Oh, and, yeah. And now, you know, being in the side of it where we are now is live event production and decor, um, you know, it's a stressful job. In fact, yeah. I just read it was on Forbes' top 10 list as number five most stressful jobs. Really? And, and before it was, it was uh, enlisted military personnel. I have a list, actually. Enlisted military personnel, military generals, firefighters, airline pilots, and then event coordinator planners. Wow. It's number five. Police we're actually less stressful a job wow. than our job. So it's you know, you gotta know when you're going into this, it's a lifestyle, but if you if if you find that you like it, it's in your blood forever. And yeah. You really don't leave it. Well, it's great to hear because a lot of people, you know, from the outside looking in, just see the glitz and glamour, yeah. and they're like, "What's so hard about it? You're part. You're planning parties and it's, being paid to party or something, you know." So it's good I, to hear. Yeah, you know, every day I pinch myself because I I wake up and there's a new new challenge a new job and everything's always different so that makes it an amazing career Mm -hmm. but don't kid yourself this is not easy work i mean we are doing we do live theater basically it's one take it's not Mm -hmm. like you get take after take after take you've got thousands of people sitting in there and anything go go wrong from whatever's on stage to whatever's out in the audience and you've got to have backup plans to backup plans and got to be able to think on your feet yeah well when you're pitched an event to um decorate and plan and whatnot Mm -hmm. you're given basically a blank slate you Mm -hmm. know you have an empty space and a budget and some sort of idea kind of walk us through how you make this initial vision and turn it into a fabulous final product okay well process is somewhat the same from every time but it it involves asking a ton of questions because really whether it's a corporate event or a Hollywood event or a social event like a wedding or a bar mitzvah Mm -hmm. or a bat mitzvah or 50th birthday party the process is still the same there's a message that has to be delivered there is a brand whether it's a bride and groom who are telling their story for the first time or um, a movie premiere that's coming out that needs to have um, you know a certain personality throughout the whole thing uh, or a corporate message that needs to be delayed so you have to really dig into what's the reason for it who's attending um, so it's a lot of information gathering mm-hmm. and then um, really I'm I will literally sit in the room I ask actually after the meeting I asked to stay in the room after everyone and I will sit there and kind of feel the room mm-hmm. and start to come up with you know 
every 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 one of the jobs is different. Every you know, sometimes you design with lighting, sometimes you dive, d- design with live show elements, sometimes you design with flowers. It depends on the reason for the event, the uh, the location you're going to, the demographic of the people that are attending, and so it's. You just have to dig and dig and dig. And then the process is really sitting down with my staff. I've got, you know, an amazing staff um, where we all bring a different um, different perspectives Mm -hmm. to the table. And um, so they, uh, you know, between all these collective ideas, we go back and I take all the ideas and I sit down and start to move them together. And then we come It's just a collective process in creating these things. Awesome. Does it always turn out exactly how you visualized it? Or do you have to make some tweaks along the way? Well, I think you always have to make tweaks because when you're, you know, you're dealing with something that's live, you're going to have to think on your feet. Uh, And I do a lot that's not within you know, the local area, I'm traveling across the country or out of the country. So you have to be prepared for things you would never think you would have to be prepared of. I've got war stories that you wouldn't (laughs) believe. Um, But um, it's a different process almost every single time. And you just have to, you have to really be able to think on your feet and be ready for anything. Do you ever encounter clients who are a little difficult to work with or, you know, may oh, not yeah. always agree with what you're doing? Oh, yeah. The, the, the one thing in this industry, and I believe this is true even uh, in the Hollywood industry and the special events industry, is you've got you to put your ego to the side. Right. Because <laughs> there's going to be someone that's going to feel they're better, you, better than you or step on your toes. And so you've got to just go, you know, this is not about me. This is about delivering something that's right for that client at the right time right yeah now when you're putting events together part of your style is to go against the trend and the tradition when Mm -hmm. you're entertaining why is this important for you uh, I think it, it just is part of my personality. Mm-hmm. You know, I, the funny thing is, is I actually speak across the country on the trends for the year, and then I completely go the opposite <laughs> way every single year, and I don't know why. Um, uh, you know, trends are just trends. You can, you can, it, it allows you to keep a pulse on what's hot and happening right now. Mm-hmm. But it's really your personal stamp that's going to make the difference between you being something special or not within the industry. Speaking of your personal stamp, what are some of yeah. your personal touches that you like to throw in there to have your personal signature? I love to, I love to design with lighting. So I'm, you know, I will spend a way more time. Um, uh, with the lighting guys working mm-hmm. on the way the room's going to look than anything else. And I have a floral shop, and I have a woodworking metal shop, so we build our own sets, but I still pay attention to lighting more than anything else. So I think that lighting is definitely one of my signatures. Um, I also, because of my background in, in catering and, and crowd flow, that I'm really good in logistics, so the flows of my parties mm-hmm. are very different than everyone else's. So, um, And then design-wise, I love st- uh, statement pieces, like, giant oversized pieces like we have these massive um uh massive uh lamps that are like 12 foot tall and i designed them because being an ohio boy moving to california mm-hmm. um i always like being able to live indoor outdoor you know right. my house has these big doors that open up and my furniture is outside and inside and you don't have bugs and it's mm-hmm. nice and warm at night so i i love to design things that are meant to be indoors but now are outdoors right well, you're obviously, you know what you're doing because you've won numerous few. awards, including best events, best yeah. decor, just to name a few. Yeah. If I named the whole list, we'd be here for a while. Um, yeah. Also, your clientele includes high profile companies mm-hmm. like the Academy of Arts and mm-hmm. Wolfgang Puck. How did you gain such an A-list clientele? You know, it was 
there's you can be introduced into the industry uh, and few people are or you just have to simply rely on hard work and number one I will say that if you don't have a good product that you won't last very long in the industry but more important than that if you don't have a nice demeanor if you're not someone that someone likes to work with mm-hmm. that you won't last either you can be an amazing artist but if no one likes to work with you you're not going to be around for very long but mm-hmm. really my it was milestones within my industry, within my career that made me realize I was moving up like the first job that really kind of set me apart was I did the um, the opening of the Reagan Library which was a huge deal and I didn't even know how I got it but I realized that okay it was it was a pretty big deal mm-hmm. I mean five presidents there and then you find these clues along the way that just kind of go you know what you're actually doing I did an event for Barry Gordy oh, um, it was in honor of Barry Gordy and it was a it was it was a 50th anniversary of Motown. So it was, we were doing a Motown review show for Barry Gordy and I was working with Suzanne DePass, mm-hmm. who is his, um, uh, his producer on many right. of the jobs. Nerve wracking is heck. Yeah. And I was working with, um, Thelma Houston and Lewis Price, who's the, um, the lead singer of The Temptations. Oh, cool. Debbie Allen. Oh, yeah. Um, Smokey Robinson. Wow. And, and I was like, you know, I was thinking this is pretty cool, but the real moment when I was like, holy, crap that this is something that i never thought i would be doing is as executive producer i like to talk to the celebrities that come in to kind of let them know before they even come on the set to just give an expectation of what's happening Mm -hmm. and sydney potier was was giving the award to um to barry gordy and he said when we were on the phone he says can i read you my speech my my presentation to him i'd just like to get your opinion on it and i was like mm, yeah sure <laughs> you know and he read that whole thing to me and i'll tell you i did not hear a single word because all i was thinking the whole time is you're sydney Poitier. yeah you don't need me to tell you anything oh my god it was one of those pinch me moments and those kind of pinch me moments make you realize okay i've got something here yeah and it's a matter of leveraging that you know it's Leveraging the relationships, making sure that the entire experience was good enough that they're referring you Mm -hmm. and getting amazing pictures. And those leverage moments is what kind of just kind of stepped me up the ladder. I mean, I'm 25 years in the business. It took me 25 years to become an overnight success. Wow. (laughs) So, yeah. it's a good lesson. Yeah. So you were able to use some of your own personal gallery and you created an online magazine. Yeah. Uh, Design Dogs. Design Dogs. Tell us a little bit about Design Dogs and how you came up with the idea to use your own personal photos. Well, I'm also a photographer. Mm -hmm. So I've actually shot my, my events from... From the beginning. So I have 20 years of, of pictures of everything oh, wow. I've ever done. And so I had a huge library content. And in 2005, my my director of marketing came to me and said, we should do a blog. I'm like, yeah, let's do a blog. I'm like, what the heck is a blog? <laughs> we had no idea what a blog was at that time. And so we started a blog and had tons of content. And because I'm a speaker in the industry, I, I always – show my stuff as a teaching moment here's what I was thinking there and this is a way of using this and so I was utilizing the pictures in the blog and I didn't realize that it gained traction I was speaking in Melbourne um, Melbourne Australia and before I went on stage I was talking with some other event professionals and they're like hey if you heard of this great new resource design dogs and it realized that they had no idea I was the author. And I realized at that time that it actually had legs that were more beyond wow. national borders. So I realized I had something. And in the last year and a half, we decided to change it from my blog to a magazine. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
it's turned out amazing. I mean, we've got um, really great um, traction now. We've mm-hmm. got um, advertisers coming on. Wow. I'm not even allowed to put a con. I'm not even allowed to do content except maybe <laughs> once a month anymore because it's no longer about me. Yeah, it's about. Really, the magazine's about um, creating a voice for the design special events industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm real excited about where it's going. Right. Very yeah. cool. Very cool. Thanks. How important do you think it is for your career to incorporate other mediums like this? Like design dogs? Yeah. Like, to, you know, you're an event planner, but yeah. now you've gone into the blogging world. and Well, it's not even a blogging world. I'm now a publisher. And, right. Right. Uh, which is a whole other world. Yeah, I actually have more than one job now. Um, it was important for my career because we are looking at, I think we learned a lot of lessons from the last economic downturn in 2009, mm-hmm. where I was really heavy corporate and a little bit of social. And 2009, everyone stopped and corporate wasn't buying anything. So I was going to wear my revenue stream. So right. I decided I was never going to <laughs> allow that to happen again. And for me, it was about diversity. And so making sure that there was there was diverse products. What I found from Design Dogs now is it's, it's creating a whole other platform for me. Um, there's a section within Design Dogs that's called Dog Treats. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's about brand new products coming out of the market that you can use in your events. So what I'm finding is that I'm finding out about new products before everyone else is. So, wow. yeah, I love that. It's- well, I mean, you've done events as, a, as luxurious as... $500,000 yeah. um, and you've done some lower than that for $80,000. Mm-hmm. How do you go about ensuring that each event has the same caliber despite the budget, regardless of what the budget is? Uh, the larger the the larger the event, the easier it gets because mm-hmm. you have more and more people around you and you can bring in professionals that you really know that you've got They've got your back in certain areas, mm-hmm. so they're always easier. But the detail, the amount of detail is always the same. Right. Um, I think... The thing you have to keep in mind, the larger the event goes, is that the little details still mean a lot, that the attendees still will pay attention to what's placed in front of them and whether you have personalized something around them. Um, so it's that's one of the keys, I think, of the whole thing, is that you've got to make it still personally um, meaningful to every single attendee and mm-hmm. not just... Yeah. Yeah. How do you attack a situation when someone wants more than what their budget can offer? (laughs) Which is pretty much every time. Right. (laughs) I'm sure it happens all the time. They want a Cadillac on a, on a a small budget. Champagne on a beer budget. Yep. Um, (laughs) You know, it's, what we realize is that everyone, I don't think anyone really realizes what things cost in this industry. And it's not as, it's not as inexpensive unless you're a DIY type of person. Right. Um, it's expensive to do, uh, to throw events. So once they give you the list and they give you the budget, really your job is to kind of teach them, be a parent and kind of say, this is what, this is where I think that you'd make the biggest uh, bang for the buck. And you just kind of steer them along the way. And you also have to be a teacher. You have to explain, this is why it costs as much as it is. Because uh, a lot of times they don't get it, especially when you get into live shows, they don't realize the amount of detail mm-hmm. and all the stuff happening behind the scenes that mm-hmm. there is. Uh, and there takes a lot to create even a production just like this. Yeah. yeah. Tell us a little bit about how you continue to keep things fresh and new for each event in order to stay above your competition. Yeah, it, that's that's tough, especially when you are a, a, a businessman and the creative director. Um, it's really tough to turn off the the business mind sometimes. Right. You know, I'm dealing with lawyers and, 
and accountants and employees and their feelings and all these these things that really are occupying your time. Mm-hmm. And then you got to switch over to creative. So uh, I've learned a few tricks to actually switch the mind real quickly and to go back into creative mode and, and clear the mind uh, uh, so you can be creative. But I believe it's things like continuing to go to conventions to pay attention to what's on TV constantly. Um, look at the catalogs in the magazine. They're on pulse as to exactly what's on trend now. Mm-hmm. Um, pay attention to what's happened in fashion, you know, fashion week in New York. These are all clues as on where things are going. Right. And you just, you can't, you can't think that you know it all. You, if you do, you will become um, irrelevant in this industry. Right. You have to stay on top of what's changing, what's trending. Always learning. Always learning. Always learning. Are you able? Are you ever able to attend an event as David the guest and not David <laughs> the event planner? Yes, uh, <laughs> I have been doing a lot of those lately, and uh, I. Uh, everyone asks if I critique the events, and I never do because you never know the. Cert- you know, you can't say one event's better than the other because you don't know what their budget was. You don't know if it, how how much time they had to think about it. So, but I am trying to learn to be a gracious host and just enjoy and not worry about like trying to pick up a plate or right. move a chair or something like that. I, I try to enjoy. Oh, I got to say that's the hardest part because it is. when I was planning my wedding, I was always, I could not enjoy any weddings without being like, oh, I like that. Oh, I like that. Like I was you, yeah, constantly. And you don't know where to land. Right. Yeah. That's part of the, the teacher and the parent thing. That's part of, you know, there's so many things you like. Our job is to actually narrow your focus down to the things that are most important. Right. And it is tough because there's tons of stuff out there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, regardless of budget, you've worked mm-hmm. with huge events, um, mm-hmm. large corporate events, and you've also done small, intimate events. Yeah. What are some of the differences between creating those different types of events? Say, like, if you were doing People's Choice Award, like an award show mm-hmm. versus a corporate holiday party or something mm-hmm. like that. What are some of the biggest differences with those? There's always going to be a VIP at the event. There's always going to be a celebrity. Even in corporate events, the CEOs, the top executives are the celebrities that have to be handled mm-hmm. a certain way. That's true whether it's a, a Hollywood gala or a corporate event or even a social event. Mm-hmm. Um, so I believe that um, that you just have to identify the most important people and make sure you give them a little extra attention. Um, and then just simply know your audience and know who, who it is you're playing to. And you rarely contract your events out to third parties. Is that correct? Um, not the design mm-hmm. ever. You know, there's times when I have to do events on the East Coast and the budget doesn't allow me to pack a semi and take mm-hmm. it out that way. So it's my job to learn the vendors that are in the area and the, the best resources and utilize in the best way. So there's many times when I am simply just the puppeteer with the strings. Right. Um, but I'm never not involved in the design, and we're always always have our leads there to make sure that every aspect of it, whether it's catering or the show production or the design and the decor, that there's always one of our leads overseeing that group. Would you say that that helps your team overall to be more efficient? Well, it's certainly easier uh, managing than mm-hmm. doing it yourself. Um, I think what it does is it makes them more well-rounded as producers because they get to see how other companies work and how because it's very different. The way we do things in California is completely different than they do them in the East Coast. Oh yeah, and and the way they do things in DC is very different than New York. So mm-hmm. you know you there's a huge learning curve that comes with every single job we do out of state. 
Right. Uh, and I think that's valuable to any producers to try to, to, to do that. Well, your formula for success is purpose, personality, and perspective. Mm-hmm. Why are these your most important factors? Well, you got purpose number one. You've got to be clear on on where you want to go. And even if it's there was a clarity and now there needs to be a shift, because I believe that you should always, in perspective, you should be looking at what do you have now, what is the new situation in front of you. Um, and I'm jumping ahead to perspective before finishing purpose, but you have to be clear on the purpose. Right. Um, personality, uh, I talked about at the beginning. If you're not a likable person, uh, it doesn't matter how talented you are. If you're not uh, someone that someone likes to work with, you're not going to last long. And that's mm-hmm. true of any industry, definitely in Hollywood. It's right. true. Oh, we yeah. know that for sure. Oh, yeah. And then perspective is, you know, taking a constant look at yourself and going, you know what, the the buyers have changed. When when 2009 happened and now the, the economy is kicking back in, buying's different now. For The way people look at us is different. And so, and my skill set has changed. Mm. So it's about looking at what you're offering now, looking at how the clients are buying. And it doesn't matter whether it's Hollywood or, or Simple Bride and Groom mm-hmm. or corporate. They're all they're all changing. And, mm-hmm. and the way, and the world's changing. So you just have to have perspective and know that You've got to go with it or you'll become a dinosaur. Awesome. What are some of the biggest challenges that you've faced personally when it comes to building your own company and making a name for yourself in this industry? Yeah, well, twofold, the business side and the marketing side. Uh, The business side, I was blessed to actually have an accounting degree and Mm -hmm. then discovered that I had a design flair that I had no idea I had. So it was really easy for me to do both because there's a lot of, Artists who are brilliant at what they do, but never make you heard this the, the, the term starving artist. Right. There's a reason for it because <laughs> they don't know how to run a business, they don't know how to make money. Yeah. So, if you're you have to be able to understand the business side of this, the profit and losses, and making all that. The other side is marketing, and in LA, it's the toughest market in the world because you know, LA, it's it's um it's the next best thing. What's, mm-hmm. you know, what's the coolest, newest thing? It doesn't matter if your product's still good. You've got to constantly reinvent, which I actually think keeps me on my toes because I rebrand like every seven, eight, nine years, uh, the entire company and the message. And it's kept me on point. Do you have any lessons that you had to learn the hard way? Um, <laughs> I just said yes, a ton. <laughs> <laughs> How much time do we have? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, lessons the hard way, um, I learned to keep my mouth shut when new when new things are happening within the industry or were happening or new possibilities for my company, new ventures that are happening. I learned to keep my mouth shut until they happen. Mm. And I used to be like, "Oh my god, this is going to happen before." And so and a number of them right. didn't come to fruition, and one of them almost made me lose my business because I was actually Clients were actually starting to pull away from me mm-hmm. because they thought, okay, he's not going to be around anymore. I learned a very hard lesson that way to keep the mouth shut and just kind of keep it with your, your inner circle. Yeah. And uh, and then once it happens, it'll kind of reveal itself. <laughs> so hard. Yeah. You're so it is. And you're so excited. You it so bad. Yeah. Yeah. What are some, you know, for an aspiring event planner, what yeah. are some of your suggestions? Like what's the first thing that they need to know before embarking on this journey? Well, like I said before, it's, it, this is not a nine to five job. It is a career and mm-hmm. you will work long hours and hard hours, but you will walk away satisfied every single time. Um, it's, it's not, it's not an easy road. It's a long, hard road. You have to, 
in this business, you are only as good as your last job. Mm -hmm. So I can do amazing work for 10 years and have that one job and it'll set you way back. So you have to be careful with that. Um, but getting into the business, um, if you can do the internships, if you can find any way to get into the industry, don't worry about where you think landing the perfect job for you because you'll never know what the perfect job is until you get into the business and start to work it. But those are the clues that you need. You need to know who you like in the industry, what aspects you really want to be in, and find out where your strengths are. Mm -hmm. So it jump in is my advice. Jump in and um, learn and, and be uh, open to every experience that comes your way. Is there like a number one mistake that you see newcomers make or or people who are just starting off? Yeah, and it, it's really about that personality thing. If you come into the industry and think and you come off like you know it all, mm. you will be dismissed so right. quickly in this industry. And you have to remember the other mistake is you have to be kind to everybody. I don't care if it's the guys unloading the trucks. And there's a saying, be careful be careful the 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 toes you step on today may be connected to the ash you have to kiss tomorrow. Wow, yeah. I like that. <laughs> there, are, there are a lot of people in this industry that um, have been in the industry for a while now. I, I can think of two in particular who weren't the nicest to to the assistants and mm -hmm. all the kind of people. Those assistants and all these people that were loading loading the trucks are now the, the decision makers. The high, yeah. And they remember that stuff. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So if you want longevity, you have to make sure that uh, you, you keep your integrity and mm -hmm. your likability intact. Be kind and humble. Be kind and humble <laughs> all the time. I like that. Yeah. You know, you've obviously accomplished so much in your career, and I'm sure there's so much more to come. I'm not even close to done. I bet. What <laughs> What would you like to conquer next? Um, as I said, be careful what you wish for. I've always wanted to do events in China and Russia. Oh, cool. And so I've, I've actually got some things potentially happening in China, but all my other my friends in the industry are like, be careful what you wish, wish for because it's a whole different yeah. avenue over there. You know, I've got a good 10 to 15 years before I start think I'm going to start to slow down mm -hmm. and I'm really just excited for what's next you know I'm paying a lot of attention right now to technology because technology is advancing so quickly mm -hmm. that it's completely changing our industry and to me it's really exciting the things you can do right now you couldn't do last week right yeah let's take this thing global take it global <laughs> it, it is a global world and you know there's um, there's a lot we can learn outside the borders of the U.S. Mm. Well, where can we find you on social media so we can track you, you can, down for our next big event? You can kind of <laughs> see me everywhere. Um, personally, um, uh, on Twitter, at David Merrill. Mm -hmm. um, and on Facebook, David Merrill. Um, Instagram, David Merrill. And then we have Design Dogs for Twitter, um, Facebook, Instagram. And what else am I missing? AO events. Oh, yeah, my company. Uh, AOO events for Facebook, Twitter, and um, and Instagram as well. Great. Well, thank yeah. you so much, David, for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you You can so find much. me on Facebook and Twitter at I am Jessica King and on Instagram at Jess Clem. Thank you for joining us today and have a great weekend. 
From producers Maria Menounos, Dario Kristen, Tiana Hobson, Kevin Undergaro, and the entire BHL crew, we would like to thank you for supporting Black Hollywood Live, the first online broadcast network dedicated to African-American entertainment. For questions and comments, contact us at info at blackhollywoodlive.com. Like us on Facebook, tweet us, or Instagram us at BHL Online. And I'm your BHL announcer, Scipio. Instagram me at Planet Scipio. Thank you for tuning in. Hollywood redefined. The views expressed here are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of BHL or its owners or principals.